This episode of Better in the Dark is brought to you by Audible.com. Get a free audiobook download at www.audiblepodcast.com slash better in the dark. Over 85,000 tiles to choose from for your iPod or MP3 player. Sign up for a free 14-day trial, including a free download of your first book just for trying out their service. Some of the available titles include Bossy Pants by Tina Fey, Filth by Irvine Welsh, and Assumed Identity by David Morell. So after you finish listening to BITD, why don't you go to www.audiblepodcast.com slash betterinthedark and get your free audiobook today. Next time you feel the need to share your gift of wisdom and experience, don't. We all feel better. In conclusion, if you find yourself falling asleep, having a dream child in the middle of a nightmare, while you're trying to wake up when you're being chased by a guy with razors on his fingers, and you don't know it's a new nightmare, and then you got Jason, he's got an axe, got Kelly rolling, she's not saying, nightmare baby, nightmare baby, nightmare baby, H-Y. Once upon a time on a Super Bowl night, two guys from BK brought the points to life. Gave you some previews and some laughs. Was it no big thing? No one thought it would last. Then one started growling at the mention of a chick. The other guy would lose it every time he got pissed. Next thing you know, they got a good fan base. So they said, what the hell? Let's continue the pace. No stone uncovered. They will take on a topic. Might bring on a guest and together they rock it. Cause they're in like Flint. Too much is a cool. If you don't know the beautiful one, they'll take you to school. I'm talking about Tom, DJ, and Derek Ferguson. The best podcast out, hands down, it's set. So in the tub, in the car, if you're chilling in the park, welcome to another show of Better in the Dark. Ah, you know, there's nothing like the sweet smell of a domesticated woman. And I mean that in the most respectful way. You're a brave man. No, no, not brave. Scared shitless. Excuse me, I've got to go rehearse. And until we get back in touch with you... Go watch that movie! Right, Davin? Go watch that movie! (laughs) And here, a little bit late, begins the summer of Great Great Men. Yes, a little bit late, but as always... We managed to be right on time, no yeah. matter what. <laughs> now, now, granted, people are wondering, like, oh, there's another summer promotion? When's the contest? We're not having a contest. We're not having a contest. That was too aggravating for us. It wasn't aggravating. Well, it just... It, it wasn't aggravating, but nobody entered. Yeah, exactly. It's nobody entered. I think we had what? Exactly two entries. Right. They both got reward packages. We had exactly two entries, mm-hmm. and that was it. We built it, and they didn't come. There you go. So, no, folks, there will not be a contest this summer. This is the second time we've done this. We've decided to try to create a theme. A themed event. But what we should, first of all, say that this is, once again, another episode of Better in the Dark, starring the inestimable Thomas DJ. And the eloquent and clever Mr. Derek Ferguson. You damn skippy. (laughs) 
And we are back after a pretty long layover. What you guys don't know is that actually this is the first time Tom yeah. and I have seen each other in about like two months. Yeah. Really. We took a... <laughs> my wife refers to it as a legal separation. <laughs> <laughs> now the funny thing is, is that for you guys, if everything plays out... You will have only noticed that we've been gone for about three days. Yeah. My schedule was a little funky this week, and the way yeah. it looks like it shakes out, you're probably going to hear this on the Wednesday after, which is oddly enough my birthday, the Sunday this was supposed to air. Right. And there's a reason why we're going to talk about this particular great, great man on this particular day. Right. But yeah, Tom's work schedule was funky for a while. Yeah. My schedule You were off at Pulp Arc. Yeah, and yeah. how was Pulp Arc? Pulp Arc was remarkable. I got to meet a lot of people. Photos are still up on your live journal, right? Yeah. You can go to my live journal. You can see photos. You go to Pulp Arc Press. Mm -hmm. There's a whole bunch of things. There's a video out there. I videoed the whole Pulp Arc Award ceremony where, of course, awards were given out. I got to meet people like Ron Fortier. I met him. Right. Rob Davis, Barry Reese. Mm-hmm. I met him and his wonderful family. His wife, his right. his son, Van Allen Plexico. We had a wonderful time. We spent all day long hanging out at Pulp Park, and then we went back to the hotel. We stayed up till two or three o'clock in yeah. the morning, just shaking the Willie Bobo. Once I get my license, mm-hmm. and if I can scrape the money together, you and me should go up to Nikon. Mm-hmm. Which is the writer's conference that you used to attend. I attended 11 years okay. in a row up in Rhode Island. It's one of these things where it's kind of expensive. It's not like about $500, but it's for four days and five nights, and it's all-inclusive. Oh, cool. So it's room and board inclusive. I get the impression it's the same sort of vibe because that's what would happen is that they would have the programming in the day. Mm -hmm. You would have some sort of weird special event at night. And then you would have movies until 2 in the morning. And then people still weren't ready to go to bed. Yeah, yeah. Nobody was going to bed. Ron Forte likes to describe it. And Nancy Hansen. Who was also there? She was wonderful. Her husband was mad cool. His cat was mad cool. They both described it as being like a family reunion, which yeah. in a way it was because a lot of these people like Barry Reese. Barry Reese, I've known him online 15 years. Yeah. Him and Tommy Hancock. I well, know I've known Barry. For so long, because I knew him in the pre-internet. Right, in the fanzine days. Yeah. yeah. So you and him go way, way back. And yet we've never been in the same... Yeah. We've talked one of the few episodes of the proto Better in the Dark that came out, yeah. People's Toys, was me and yeah. Barry Reese sitting down yeah. and just talking for two hours. Right. Yeah. It was really a lot of fun to meet all of these guys who I've known and I've respected and I've admired for so long. I'm already making plans to go back next year. Mm-hmm. I'm planning on, if God willing and finances hold out. Patricia's not going to go next. She said, I see what this is like. This is the boys who <laughs> play. You go back next yeah. year by yourself. That was a hell of a drive. I smell a Better in the Dark road trip. You want to make plans to come next okay. year? We had talked very briefly mm. about you doing a live feed from Paul Bark, but unfortunately... Yeah, but the logistics and... Well, no, te- it's all on me. No. Oh, no, it is all on me because no. we should reveal that Wonderbox... Wonderbox is getting a bit old. And when the boxes, you know. It's getting to the point where I have to start preparing for the time I'm going to have to replace her. And as such, some of its software is very unreliable, particularly the audacity I have here. Mm-hmm. I can't record in more than two, three minute chunks. Rick Croxton and mm-hmm. Art Sippo, yeah. who do the Book Cave, which if you mm-hmm. guys haven't listened to it, you ought to listen to that because that's where they interview various writers. They were there and mm-hmm. they were doing interviews from there. And if you go to the Book Cave, you'll see that they had a whole, most of the panels 
that were done there, they recorded them. Right. So if you folks want to get down on what was going on at Popar, to check out my live journal. And Rick Press. also does a comics-based podcast called Rick's Comics. <laughs> yep. If exactly. you want to point that out as well. Exactly. Finally got around to listening to the episode where you, him, and Josh Reynolds talked uh, the Marvel Horror comics. Oh, yeah. Probably. A lot of fun. Yeah. But you managed to take a trip yourself. Uh, yes, I did. Well, elaborate. I have a friend who has decided, for various circumstances, I do not feel comfortable going into on the air. Mm-hmm. Hey, Paul, that he wants to start doing some traveling. He came to me and said, do you want to go and do these road trips with me? Let's plan these one-day trips out of the city for a while. Right now, it's a kind of like a monthly basis, and our first trip was out to Philadelphia. Wow. City of Brotherly Love? Um, there are photos available on my Facebook of me in front of Larry Fine's birthplace. <laughs> I see they go like, do I take pictures of me in front of the Liberty Bell? No. No, no. everybody does that. Me in front of the, one of the Stooges' birthplace. That I watched. Much more appropriate out there. It was funny because the first thing we did was we I had to do some online research to determine which was the place that first originated the Philly cheesesteak. Ah, right. Yeah, because of course you can't go to Philly without having a right. genuine Philly cheese. Well, the thing is, it's like it's almost like, um, I'm trying to think of what like the equivalent New York thing is. It's almost like the thin crust pizza, yeah. which is very much like a New York thing. Or these days, the Asian prepared Mexican food. Everybody and their uncle has cheesesteaks available. Yeah. But I did some research and I found that the place that originated in 1932, if I remember correctly, was a place called Pat's the King of Steak. Hmm. So we go there, and the legend goes that there are these two stands across the street from each other. Mm-hmm. There's Pat's and there's Gino's. And the legend goes that Gino started working for Pat, and something happened, and there was a big fight, and Gino said, I'll show you. Mm-hmm. And he moved across the street and created a much more garish thing, mm-hmm. and this war has been going on ever since. Okay. And there's always been a, an argument as to who created the cheesesteak. Mm-hmm. Pat's created the cheesesteak because Pat's it still looks like it's something from the 30s. From the 30s, This okay. small, unobtrusive little stand. Mm-hmm. And Gino's, it looks like somebody who's trying to overcompensate. Oh, okay. Because it's got like this big, massive, neon sign mm-hmm. with a giant 10-foot tall picture of a cheesesteak. And Gino's and all these bright colors and that. Everything designed to draw your attention away Garish from that. Garish. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, we had the cheesesteak. We went to this amazing place. And if anybody, if you listen and you're anywhere near the Philadelphia area, I recommend a place called the Rim Cafe. Mm-hmm. R-I-M-C-A-F-E. It's run by this guy, Rene, who came from France. Mm-hmm. And I was telling Paul, it's like, you could tell this was the guy, he had a dream, he moved to America, and he's been living it every day ever since. Right. A great guy. And his deal is, it's a little cafe, hand makes pastries, mm-hmm. and coffee. Coffee and espresso and all sorts of okay. things. And he's just one of these like real characters. His, his catchphrase is, make it happen! Okay. He's so you went just for the day? Just for the day. Oh. We went down the Market Street District, which is kind of like the equivalent of like Greenwich Village. Mm-hmm. A lot of kind of like boho shops and stuff. We went to Penn's Landing. What did you do, drive? Yeah, you we drove, drove down. Right. What was it, about three hours? Less than two hours. Oh, it was, okay, we cool. made it in from the New York City Transit Terminal, mm-hmm. uh, 8th Avenue. Mm-hmm. We made it in just under an hour and 40 minutes. Oh, that's not bad. We went to Penn's Landing, which was supposedly where William Penn landed on the United States. He goes on, of course, to found. We went to the Philadelphia Museum of Art. There's a picture of me in front of the Rocky statue. Mm-hmm. Although, the one that I wanted, which didn't come out, was me giving the uppercut to I Rocky. Thought they, 
Didn't they move? They moved. They moved it from the steps. Mm-hmm. It's now in a little like mini park to the right. Oh, okay. Because I know I read something yeah. about that. Yeah, that they had moved it off of the steps after they had been there for so many years. Yeah, and, and we went to the Liberty Bell. And the thing that's interesting about the Philly, first off, is that the attitude is a lot more laid back. Oh, yeah, well, once you get yeah. outside of New York, everything is more laid back. And secondly, apparently there used to be an ordinance, it's no longer in effect, that no building in Philadelphia could be higher than City Hall. Because City Hall is like this giant spire, and on top of it is a statue of William Penn. Right. So the city's government, for the longest time, wanted to make sure that no matter where you were in the city, you could see you William could Penn. You could see William Penn, yeah. That has since been relaxed, but the larger buildings are fewer and far between. It's a lot more open air. You get a big impression of space, a lot of statues. We were with our friend Dave, who grew up in Philadelphia, and he said... There are two things that Philadelphians look for an excuse to do. Mm -hmm. Throw a festival and raise a statue. Literally, you turn a corner and you're struck by some sort of artwork, no matter where you go. It's it's really a very Very interesting... But once you get outside of New York, I've traveled, well, not extensively, but I've done my share. New York really is a completely different planet unto itself. Once you get out... Okay, well, we went to Arkansas. We drove through Arkansas. And part of where we drove through was... That section that has been hit by yeah. the flood. And we're actually driving. It was a weird feeling to have seen on TV people putting sandbags outside yeah. of their house. You see roads flooded yeah. out. And then two days later, I'm driving through that area. Because mm-hmm. twice we had to make detours yeah. to go around where the roads were flooded at. But the people there was really so upbeat and so nice yeah. and so pleasant. Totally unlike New York. Well, I was talking to him yesterday, uh-huh. my boss, and he was saying that he read, the study had come out in the newspaper that morning that said that New York State ranks 50th in terms of how free people feel. Yeah. Which is kind of sad. It's also because when I travel and I go away, we're driving through Arkansas and Tennessee, and this is a section of the country where we literally drove for hours and didn't see any houses. And then you come back to New York, and I felt claustrophobic for the first couple of days because I had gotten used to all that open space. Now, keep in mind, we spent a grand total of five and a half, maybe six hours Mm -hmm. in Philadelphia. I got home in time at like around seven o'clock, so I realized I could still go to my karaoke. Yeah, yeah, right. Because as everybody knows who follows me on Facebook, I think we've mentioned it once or twice, I'm better in the dark. Saturday night is my karaoke night. I go out to this really wonderful bar. And once again, if you're in the Ridgewood, Glendale area, go to the Avenue Bar and Grill on Myrtle Avenue. The guy who owns it is a friend of mine. He's Mm. one of the nicest guys in the world. It's like what Cheers was supposed to be. Okay. A real neighborhood down home. Mm-hmm. Everybody knows each other. Everybody is supportive kind of place. I, I was told Rob the other night, I've lived in this neighborhood 21 years, and for the first time I have a neighborhood hangout. Didn't know it was there, yeah. Yeah. Well, it's only been there for a year. As I'm walking to the bar, I'm looking around on, on Myrtle Avenue and going like, when did New York get this dirty? Mm. I guess it's just because there's more of a civic pride or something. I don't know what it is. The streets are all clean. Oh, that's the other thing I saw. I saw so the first firehouse in America. It was just like a barn almost. You're right. It's just a wonderful place. I recommend if you go there, go and see Renee. Tell him Tom sent you. Mm-hmm. The next thing we're planning is Boston. So Dave Swig, get in touch with me. A lot of people don't realize. They say, oh man, I wish I could go away, but I can't yeah. afford it. There's a lot of affordable places yeah. that you can go see that's within, like you said, traveling time. You can just jump in your car if you mm-hmm. got a car, even if you just want to go on a train or a bus. Yeah. And you can go down for the day. I remember like a few years back, I don't know if they still have this anymore, 
But Greyhound, mm-hmm. they had a thing. You go to Washington, it was only $10. Just take a trip for the day yeah. and just get out the city just for a day. That's all. You don't have to hop on a plane and go yeah. to Fiji. Although that is nice. Yeah, I'm not exactly. knocking it, though. But I'm saying there are a lot of affordable places that you can go to. I mean, I am determined one of these days. I definitely need to get down to Georgia to finally mm-hmm. sit down face-to-face for a little bit with Michael Bailey. Oh, Georgia I mean, beautiful. But my sister lives mm-hmm. down there in Georgia. She lives in Covington, right. which is outside of Atlanta. It's about 30 miles or 30 minutes outside of Atlanta, something like that. But the day trip tour, like the next stop is going to be Boston. We're going up to Boston. Okay. And I think the next thing we've agreed upon is we're going to Mystic, Connecticut, because we want to visit the Nautical Museum. Oh, that's wonderful. I've always wanted to go there. I visited there when I was a little kid. I have like vague memories of being there as a kid. Mm-hmm. At the Nautical Museum, so that's why I suggested it. And my mother sent me a list of fifty things in and around New York. Yeah, that you could do in a day. Yeah, oh sure. There's plenty. Of, like I said, there's plenty of things you can do right yeah. here for the day. Just now, granted, up. one thing I want to do this summer is get to Luna Park. But if I didn't get there this year, mm-hmm. but part of it is just not being able to go go by myself because I would be freaked out. Right. But anyway, we have now spoken for 20 minutes, and we haven't mentioned... And we haven't mentioned one single blessed thing about the... No, but I just felt that it was obligated to catch up the folks on what we've been doing lately and what's been going on with us, because... This is a family thing. Right. It's not just us informing you. It's an 8,500 people family. It's still 8,500. Where you get that figure from? From Michael Sims. I granted we're about due for our next quarterly report. Okay. But the last quarterly report indicated that we would had 8,500 downloads oh, for wow. every episode on average. Okay, cool. Well, good to know somebody's listening to this. So, the I- summer of great, great men. Yeah. We have decided that our theme for this year, we were talking about there was a number of episodes throughout Better in the Dark where we said, oh, we got to do an episode solely about this person. Right. So, not necessarily Director's Court's yeah. episode, which is more us really dissecting. Yeah, closer to so the last two episodes or so when we did Frankenheimer, Frankenheimer yeah. and the Sergio Leone. We right. were more just sitting there doing a general appreciation of someone who we really admire. So what we just said was that what we would do is just do a whole summer so we could do all of these episodes and just get them out of the way and get them out of our system so that they would not interfere with the other more seriously themed episodes. Like, for example, we've already talked that we're, and hopefully we'll get this out in time for Rise of the Planet of the Apes, we're going to do a Planet of the Apes primer for everyone. Prior to us coming on, Tom and I were sitting here arguing about the Planet of the Apes. Because as I'm sure all of you guys have seen the trailer for it now, and Tom was saying that, well, he's not going to go see it because he didn't like the fake way the CGI looked. My take on it is that it didn't matter to me because we know this isn't a real ape anyway, and my feeling is that today's audiences simply won't tolerate a man in a suit. As aesthetically pleasing Mm -hmm. as that would be to me and you to actually see an actual person in the suit a la... The original ones and the Tim Burton mm-hmm. ones, yeah. I feel that, yeah, today's audiences, because well, you got to realize something, you got a whole generation now that mm-hmm. has grown up with CGI. Right. They don't know anything about motion capture mm-hmm. or any of the special effect techniques that you and I grew right. up with. And like you said, you said very accurately, it's a sad commentary on our times as moviegoers that it's all of these moviegoing techniques that a lot of people simply are not going to be exposed right. to because they're just not done anymore. The thing about men in suits, I mean, yeah, okay, they don't look 100% real, but they allow, particularly if a suit is well-designed, like to cite something from Doctor Who, 
Right. Those new Sunlorian mm-hmm. masks, I think, are very, very expressive while also concealing the actor itself. Mm-hmm. That, to me, when you, you go to a CGI, you kind of rob an actor of a job, and you rob an actor of an opportunity to stretch him or herself. Mm-hmm. But that's just me. Oh, well, listen, you know that you have directors like George Lucas, mm-hmm. who one reason why he's working so hard on this type of technology is because he doesn't like working with actors, and he would much rather have CGI actors right. that he can manipulate and will do exactly what he wants, and he doesn't have to yeah. deal with real people, which, again, is a sad commentary, because why would you be a director? Because the movie-going thing is a collaborative thing, and you have right. to work with people. If you don't like working with people, then why did you get into a profession where you have to work yeah. with people? You know? Oh, if it's up to George Lucas, he would just make movies with no actors at all. Oh, no, yeah. yeah. He'd even do all the voices himself, I'm sure. I'm sure that's a very would. disturbing process. I'm sure he probably would. What else have we got? we got to thank Kelly. Yes. If you remember about, what, two episodes ago, mm-hmm. we began the $1 a fan initiative, <laughs> which... So far has netted us exactly zero dollars. Bumpkiss. There are potentially 8,500 people out there. Zilch. And how many people said, you know, a dollar is more than enough. Donut hole. We get nothing. Except for one thing, of course. Kelly Loge, I've said this before, he consider him a great, great man, and I am so very proud to have him as part of Team BITD. Mm-hmm. As part of that five-man troika. It's you, me, Eric... Keelan mm-hmm. and Kelly. That's that right. Five man troika that helps bring the whole Better in the Dark experience to us. This is the man who said, You really should have a website. And we said, Yeah, we'll get around to it one day. And then th- three hours later, I made you a website. And, then, and he did it, yeah. <laughs> to me, that said more to me about his character than yeah. anything else. Because it's easy to sit back and say, Yeah, you should do this, you should yeah. do that, you should do this, you should do that. Kelly actually went out and did it. And the man has no ego. That's the other thing that amazes None me. None whatsoever. He's like, if you don't think it's very good, I'll take it down. I'm like, what, are you crazy? I told him if you take it down, I'll come up there to Alaska and beat you with a tire oh, iron. And it's grown. Yeah. If you go back and look, folks, and I don't know how many of you actually go to the site actively and check it out. I go there on a regular basis, yeah. and it seems like every time I go there, there's something new there. I usually go at least the Sunday night after we release a new app. Yeah, me too, Sundays. That's usually when I check it out. Every time I go back, it's, there's always something new there. That yeah, that he's is. always improving and tweaking a little bit. But Kelly heard our Dollar Fan Initiative appeal, and we'll get to that at the end of the episode again. Bubkiss! But Kelly says, I hear that one of the things you said you wanted to buy was a new microphone. I have a new microphone. Would you like it? I wrote him back and said, Kelly, that appeal wasn't for you. You do more than enough yeah. for us. You're part, an integral part of this team. You're, you're, you help us keep this show going by being you and being the great person you are. And he's like, it's not doing anything here. It's still in its package. I never opened it. Would you like it? There you go. And sure enough, he sent it to us. I used it to record with Michael Bailey last night. Mm-hmm. He said it definitely was an improvement on the sound quality. Mm-hmm. Thank but, you, but Kelly. Kelly, this is somebody who is dedicated and invested in us continuing to keep on bringing this podcast to the Hoi Polloi. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we can't thank him enough. We always appreciate people that appreciate what we're doing and take the time to show it. Yes. <laughs> now, to be fair, let's be... I'm not a fair person. Yeah, but let's, let's be a, a I'll little... be honest, I'm not a fair man. 
Let's be a little bit fair, though. There have been a couple of people, particularly Ed. Yeah. And yeah. my mom. Oh, yeah, who yeah. have... Um, made, who have attempted to make donations in the past, but because of circumstances, we were not able to oh. cash those donations. Yeah, well. But, which is why we came up with the Dollar of Fat Initiative, which we'll once again get back to at the end of this episode, because here we are, we're now hitting the 28-minute mark, and we have yet to talk about a great, great man. Okay. So we all finished with I think we're all finished with the business. Nothing else we gotta do. Okay. So yeah. we'll get into the episode. Yes. So the, the Summer of Great, Great Men, we're gonna do this thing, and the first person we're gonna talk about is someone I share a birthday with. Right. No, it's not Yui Ball. No, it's not. Nor is it Kurt Warner, the great quarterback for uh, mm-hmm. the St. Louis Rams. No, it's, of course, the chin. Bruce Campbell. Bruce Campbell. Who has been an icon in film, science mm-hmm. fiction, horror, for, what is it now, like 40 years? Since, let's see... Because he goes back to the Evil Dead, which yeah, was like in the, in the 80s. Yeah. 90, 90, 90, 90, 90. About 30 years. About 30 years. 30 yeah. years. So let me do a little bit of a... This is, of course, from the IMDb biography. Mm-hmm. He was born... Lauren Campbell. He was born in Royal Oak, Michigan in 1958, June 22nd. Was obsessed with science fiction from a very early age. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he was apparently liked to dress up as Zorro. Was it him and Sam Raimi? Were yes. they boyhood chums? They were. They grew up? They were, yeah, the Raimi brothers. He and his brother and the Raimi brothers kind of lived close to each other. Mm-hmm. So when Sam Raimi, back in 1980, said, I'm going to make a movie. Mm-hmm. Bruce, you want to be in the movie. And you know what's amazing is like, all of those people in the Evil Dead are, of course, just Sam Raimi's friends. Yeah, right. Dola's buddy. Yeah. Yet, even then, it's obvious that Bruce was meant for other things. Yeah. Not because he's trying to, but he's definitely apart from the other mm-hmm. members of that cast. Mm-hmm. And, of course, Evil Dead, thanks partially to a rather... I remember reading this in the Old Twilight Zone magazine. A rather amazing article Stephen King offered to write to tell people about this great film he had just seen. Bruce Campbell found himself as something of a cult star. Yeah. And started appearing in various culty films. And actually, kind of like early in his career, because it takes a while for you to become a cult figure. But almost from the beginning, Bruce Campbell found himself in this role of being a cult hero. You know what it is? It's the fact that most of the time, a character to be considered a cult hero that has that one defining image. Right. Like, for example, The Man With No Name, to, to go back to our last episode. There is that image of Clint Eastwood standing alone in that town with mm-hmm. the Serapion, mm-hmm. with the, the cigarette mm-hmm. clenched in his mouth that crystallizes it. With Ash, it was him raising up the chainsaw right. as what we would then later on come to know as deadites come crawling towards mm-hmm. him with the blood spattered all over Yeah. Them. Now, my first exposure to Bruce Campbell, the first time I saw Bruce Campbell, and I remember this quite clearly. Yeah. 42nd Street. It was Evil Dead 2. I had seen Evil Dead 1, and I liked it, but I wasn't blown away with it. However, Evil Mm -hmm. Dead 2, first of all, and y'all people are going to think I'm sick behind this, but you probably think I'm sick anyway. Funniest thing I'd ever seen in my life. It was like a demented Warner Brothers cartoon. And you know, Sam Raimi would thank you for that critique. You, you know would? he would. Yeah, because I think it's obvious Sam Raimi loves the, the Three Stooges. Oh. And he loves slapstick comedy, and a lot of the Evil Dead films show that. Mm-hmm. So I think that he would not consider that an insult or not. Well, the first one was more or less a straight up and down horror movie. Yeah, well, remember he had serious investors, people who wanted you know, dentists, 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 dentists. Who wanted, yeah, who wanted their money back. With Evil Dead Two, this shows you, I guess, the kind of mindset of Sam Raimi is that Dino De Laurentiis comes to Sam Raimi, and goes, 
I give you money mm-hmm. to make a new Evil Dead movie. And what does Sam Raimi do? Does he do an entirely new film? He goes, no, I can remake the first one yeah. and do what I really wanted to and do, do the, yeah, which is turn it into this wacky, black, gory comedy. Oh, it's hilarious. Yeah, I don't know how true it is, but I've always heard that they say that if you want to make a movie, mm-hmm. go get dentists. Right. That apparently, dentists have a lot of extra capital lying around and that, they love, that, that they love investing in they movies. They love investing in movies because they want to be associated with something fun, because mm-hmm. most times when you think of a dentist, you think of a guy who causes pain. Yeah. So that's something for me and you to keep in mind yeah. when we decide to get a movie project off the ground. We just go get a bunch yeah. of dentists together. I go talk to my dentist and see yeah. if she wants to invest a couple of the thousand dollars. But yeah, but Evil Dead Two, I loved, and that was my first exposure. Right. And to that Bruce was Campbell. where I think Evil Dead Two is when his career really starts taking oh, off. Yeah. Because okay, right, I'm looking at his CV right now. Okay, so after Evil Dead Two, he's got a couple of little roles in a couple of other films. He did a Evil cameo Dead. in Dark Man. Yeah, at well, the very end of the movie. After Evil Dead, in the space of five years, you've got Maniac Cop. Yeah, the Larry Cohen, William Lustig film, the cult slasher film Intruders, Moontrap, mm-hmm. The Dead Next Door, Sundown, Maniac Cop 2, Dark Man, which is the one. Mm-hmm. All these films just start coming to him. He starts getting this reputation, this cult figure. Mm-hmm. And he kind of plays the same character in all of these films, mm-hmm. which is this kind of Ash Mank. Some of them. Now, know. what's the appeal of Bruce Campbell for you? Me, I know Bruce Campbell, I always like it when I see these guys. First of all, he's a manly type of guy. Yeah. And he honestly looks like a guy that if you, if you saw him out in the street and you say, hey, Bruce, how you doing? You start talking to him for a while, he would invite you yeah. to go get a beer. Come on, man, let's go get him. I don't know if that's how he is in real life, but I have heard that he is a genuine well, nice exactly. Okay, that's part of it. The just a guyness. Yeah. Even when he is in the most bizarre situations, like in Army of Darkness, where he's in a medieval world that could even be an alternate universe, deadites are pounding on the door, mm-hmm. and he's still just, just a guy. guy. He's yeah. that guy from S-Mart. Mm-hmm. He's doing the best he can with his arm being chopped off, so what does he do? He just lashes his chainsaw yeah. to it. It's that mm-hmm. total accessibility that he has, I mm-hmm. think. I just think also... He Radiates this likableness. Yeah, he's always likable in anything he does. That's why you really can't seriously buy him playing a villain because he never seems like he has it in him to be a right. villain. And even when he's a hero, he's a reluctant hero. He's not doing it because he wants to do it. Well, he's he doing it because. Villain. What? He has played a villain, though, on Lois and Clark. You know, I completely forgot about it. But was, it's been years since yeah, I've seen he it. Was, so. He was the head of Intergang. You're right. He was the head of Intergang. That's right. But that's a few and far between. He yeah, doesn't yeah, do a lot a, of yeah, that. He roles. doesn't do a lot of that. But the sad thing is, I think, is that the Ash roles have kind of overshadowed the fact that he is actually a decent actor. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't call him a great actor. No. For right now, I'm doing on Damn Your Eyes, Damn Your Ears, mm-hmm. I'm going through the Briscoe County series, that one-year series that he had oh, on yeah. Fox. Oh, Fox, yeah. Which was really... It's him doing a hero role, but mm-hmm. a different kind of hero. A little more of a yeah. thoughtful character. Yeah. Bristol County was remarkable to me for a lot of things. It actually was a series that was ahead of its time. If it was on now, yeah. it would run for about four or five years. This is what I'll say about it. Carlton Cuse and Jeffrey Bone, who created it, mm-hmm. should have held on to it for about two or three more years. Yeah. Until the syndication boom. Because they could have gotten three or four seasons. Oh, easily. Easily. In yeah. syndication. 
situation. Easily. Because you can see they had that whole subplot yeah. going on with the spheres the whole, and, the orcs, and the time travel and everything. They had a wonderful cast of characters. They had Arlie Ermey, mm-hmm. who showed up as Briscoe's father. Mm-hmm. The guy that you love so much from, what's his name? Oh, Christian Clemenson. Christian uh, Clemenson right, as... Socrates Pool. Right. Who rightfully couldn't be called a sidekick. He was a partner. Yeah. When I saw the pilot recently, mm-hmm. and, and people who are interested can go to my blog and mm-hmm. look at what I said. They make it very clear that Socrates is pretty damn smart and he's not the bumbling comedy sidekick. No, not at all. In fact, my least favorite episodes are the ones where he's treated as the bumbling comedy sidekick. But you had that, you had Dixie Cousins. Oh, and Kelly Rutherford. And it's kind of hard to explain to people what the impact of Kelly Rutherford was on television at that was time. was a lot sexier when she had that baby fat. Yeah. So have you seen her after that? Nice. Yeah. Well, the thing yeah, is, is that she didn't have the career I think a lot of people expected her to have. No, no. She went from there to Melrose Place. Yeah, she was really white hot for yeah. a while there after Briscoe County went off the air. Kindred the Embrace, which she would have gotten more years off of if it wasn't for the fact that the actor who played the main character in that died suddenly in a motorcycle accident mm-hmm. in Italy. But, but she had that kind of Mae West oh, kind of was, quality yeah. that, in Dixie Cousins yeah, that I really enjoyed. It was definitely Mae West. The thing about Dixie Cousins is that at least until you finally figured out what she was doing about halfway through the season, she had that thing where she was kind of playing two sides against the other. Yeah. And you didn't know what You the hell didn't know game. what side she was on. You had Shodanoff himself. Yeah. Julius, Julius Carey. Carey playing Lord Bowler, mm-hmm. the bounty hunter. You only saw him when he was out there doing yeah. his job, and he was this really rough-spoken guy. Yeah. And there was an episode where Briscoe came to his house in Washington, D.C., and he had a butler. Mm-hmm. He lived in a mansion. He, he was, was an actual he was, lord. He was actually an And Briscoe said, what the hell is up with you? And he's talking with her English yes. accent. He says, oh, that's just the way I do when I'm out yeah. there. People expect that. Oh, it was... It. Julius Carey was and of course John, such an unappreciated talent. And man. John Piper Ferguson has oh. Pete Hutter. What was up with that? I, the thing I loved about Pete Hutter is that he was like a split personality. In that yeah, yeah. He was this rough, tumble, psychotic gunman who then would go off on these weird existential rants about... And into psychology yeah. and art and history. And he would relate the history of the Huguenots yeah. and relate it to... And people would look at him and say, what the hell are you talking about? <laughs> And well, this was a character that Bowman Cues kills off in the pilot. And they had to bring him and back. And they had to bring him they back. They had to bring him back, yeah. Because everybody was saying, oh, this guy, because people, oh, yeah. And the thing I love about Briscoe County is it is 100% in the way the show is structured, in the way the plots and the gimmicks are introduced, mm-hmm. it is a steampunk because John Aston, he was a mad scientist. That Professor McGuire. Right, yeah. A lot of people dismissed it as a knockoff of the Wild Wild West, but it was much more than yeah. that. It was much more. Bristol and my God, let me tell you, there was something about when John Aston and Bruce Campbell were on the screen together, mm-hmm. and Aston's face would like literally light up. It would mm-hmm. look like it would glow. Mm-hmm. Whenever he realized Briscoe was understanding what he was talking yeah. about. Yeah. And there was just such a delight in his face that he had a kindred spirit. The only thing that puzzled me was whatever happened to his daughter, who you thought was going to be this major character. Oh, major love interest. Yeah. Briscoe Car- yeah, well, listen. Well, I mean, I figured they were planning on some sort of triangle between Amanda and Dixie. Well, Amanda would have lost. In yes. my book, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if you knew Dixie, like I know Dixie. Oh, but boy. yeah, that was a show. If they had held out a couple years, let's say that show was on now. If it was on yeah. something like USA, mm-hmm. it would run forever. Because let's face it, Fox, when it comes to TV shows, 
they just simply don't give. Well, what it comes, they don't give yeah. shows a chance. What it comes down to is that Briscoe was tailor made for the syndicated boom of the '90s. It was tailor made to be one of those Saturday evening, late Saturday afternoon mm-hmm. TV shows that was pretty much the whole schedule for the longest time. And if you even remember, well, you just saw yeah. it recently, so you know they even structured the shows like a Saturday morning exactly. cliffhanger because when it came to the commercial, it was always a cliffhanger. Always a cliffhanger. Yeah, and they always had at the twenty minute mark of each. 43 minute episode had a new chapter title. And I realized. Oh, I don't remember that, but okay. It's about the same length as an average as movie a, serial yeah. would have been. They were usually about 15, 20 minutes yeah. long each episode, yeah. It was obvious they wore their pulp sensibility. It was a Hell, They gave Comet a title sequence credit Comet the Wonder Horse. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, Bruce Campbell. Julius Carey, Christian Clemenson, and Comet! Comet, the Wonder Horse. <laughs> Is that on, uh, what you it's got on Netflix? It's on DVD, you can get it from Netflix. Plus, you should never told me that. I got too much shit now on Netflix that I'll probably never watch. It was a slightly different character that he played in Briscoe County that was a little bit less rough mm. and tumble, a little bit less crazy and out there. Yeah. I, I do think that beyond a certain point in the 90s, he kind of fell into the idea that he was just doing Ash over and over and over. Actually, Bristol Kenny was also interesting in that probably he was the most normal character yeah. and everybody else was crew nuts. Yeah. Sam Raimi would always find a place to Always sneak find, yeah. So he would show up in The Quick and the Dead and he showed up in all these other things and then he was in Congo. He did that stint yeah. in Lois and Clark. He did that stint in American Gothic where he got et by Beatles. Don't remember American Gothic at all. That's the series where Gary Cole was... It was never out and out said, but the implication was he was the devil. Right, there was a little small small town, town, and the little boy parents got killed. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. I remember the show. I don't remember any specific episode. Uh, Escape from L.A., Mm -hmm. where he played the Surgeon General. The Surgeon General. A lot of video game work. Mikhail's Navy... Yep, yeah, I remember that. Um, a recurring role at Ellen, of all things. Really? Yeah. This is, I think, the last season, 96 to 97. The television remake of The Love Bug, the TV series, X-Files, of course, he played in a memorable episode where he was a demon that wanted to live a normal life. Don't remember that one. It's called Terms of Endearment. Okay. It's actually a very good episode. The idea is that he's... A demon that's kind of escaped from hell and just wants to be a normal human being. Yeah, I gotta check that out. Believe it or not, BBC America is rerunning X-Files. Which, to me, I have not no, make sense. I don't have the slightest idea why BBC America yeah. is rerunning the X-Files. The only reason that I can figure is because they've had such a success with their slate of science yeah. fiction and supernatural shows that apparently they're running anything because they got a whole thing. They're running Battlestar Galactica. Yeah. Why are you running Battlestar Galactica? I think it's because they want to keep the Doctor Who fans Yeah, happy. Uh, yeah, because now Doctor Who is what? It's half season. Yeah. Now, yeah. From what I understand, and we're on the hiatus, just so people know, because I know people are going to ask, we have not had a discussion about the whole season so far. Not yet. Since Derek hasn't seen the whole season yet. I haven't seen I have them on my DVR, and I'm going to watch it. We're picking up in September for six yeah. more episodes. Then they're going on a long hiatus, there's going to be a couple of specials, and then when they pick up, it's going to be in the late fall 2012. Now let me ask you something. Here goes one of our famous yeah. digressions, folks. You're more up on this than I am. Yeah. you got your pulse more firmly on who than yeah. I do. 
Do you think that there's a depressing tendency for these actors to get on Doctor Who and they become very hot and very big and then yeah. they start snatching other jobs while they're available? And if that is the case, well, do you think it's going to severely impact the show overall? Because now we're getting these Doctor Who's that's only going to last, what, like two or three years and then they're going to... Matt die. Smith is signed to 2013. Okay. Arthur Darville isn't, but the twofold speculation about why there's going to be a long break after mm-hmm. the, the second part of the season is... One, the Olympics are coming to England, which is going to play hell with with the the scheduling. And two, they figured rather than let Rory and Amy go, Mm -hmm. they give them a long break so they can go and they can do a little, like Arthur Darville is going to be doing Faust. Yeah, Dr. Faustus. And apparently, according to Karen Gill and according to interviews, she wants to do one or two small things mm-hmm. that she's been offered, and then she wants to take a vacation. She wants to go back to Scotland. Mm. And as she puts it, just sit and contemplate for a while. Yeah, I can imagine. About yeah. what, because everything has been so crazy for the last yeah. few years for her. Mm. So I think that this is kind of wise, because who knows what would have happened if they tried to run who during the, oh, yeah. the Olympics. Yeah, yeah. And it gives everybody a chance to explore other options while still being able to keep them around. Because everybody knows I have a real thing for Karen Gillan. Mm-hmm. So I forgive a lot, although there have been a couple of times this season where I was like, do you really need to be a girl's school screamer now? Yeah. Hey, I'm not crazy about Amy. However, I do say this. The chemistry between the three of them yeah. is such that I do want to see them continue. But, because I do like the idea of a married yeah. couple in the TARDIS. And I like seeing how their marriage is surviving all of yeah. these crazy adventures that they go on. And the chemistry between the three of them is so solid now. that Yeah, I do yeah. want to see them continue on for a while. I wish they would solidify... Is it in the Almost People? I think it's in that two-parter where... They have this kind of uniform. I said they should stick with this look where you had Karen Gillan in the black jeans mm-hmm. and the black leather coat mm-hmm. and the red t shirt. And Arthur Darville is wearing the brown sailor's jacket mm-hmm. and the chinos and stuff. I said that's a good uniform look for that team. Because, first off, Quite frankly, I think Karen Gillan looks a lot better in jeans as opposed to all those two short skirts. Oh, the Ally McBeal look. Yeah, yeah. kind of Ally McBeal, yeah. inappropriate garb look. And it also shows that this is a person who's used to the fact that she just doesn't know where she's going to end up. Yeah, because you remember, well, I don't know if you remember, I do because mm-hmm. she was my favorite companion, but to me, Sarah Jane Smith, she would always wear those camouflage pants yeah. and the boots and the leather jacket. She dressed like somebody who didn't know where she was going yeah. to end up. The miniskirts is appropriate sometimes. Yeah. And I even think in one episode they made reference to the fact that she was freezing. Yeah, because well, no, she, because she, they she thought, thought they, they were, were going to Rio. Rio, and she right, yeah. Rio, and she <laughs> show up in the Welsh countryside <laughs> in the middle of winter. Uh-huh. I do not want to lose Rory right now. Rory has rapidly become this season my absolute favorite character well, of t- this arc. Well, he's taken a lot of people by surprise. I think mm-hmm. a lot of people now, to the extent that now some people I've seen on some message boards, they say, oh yeah, well, he's one of the best companions ever now. Because he snuck up on people. He's the first male companion that has broken into the top ten, maybe even the top five Yeah, yeah. for me. And the thing I love about him, and so it's something that you and I talked about last night, and then we'll get back to Bruce Campbell, is that he's the guy, even more so than the Matt Smith Doctor, mm-hmm. who embodies what the Matt Smith Doctor is always talking about. This is a grand universe full of grand people, mm-hmm. and you shouldn't be talking about curses, because curses just means you don't understand You don't something. understand, yeah. If you guys would just look around and reach out the hand with the laurel leaf, not the hand with the fist. Mm-hmm. Even though 
his badass credentials are very, very, very firmly in hand. Arthur Darville is the guy. He takes charge when he has to, but he refuses to take a weapon as the first option. Right. Well, he's more like the doctor than the yes, doctor sometimes. Right and now. you know something? That's something that Moffat has been addressing. That's what we were talking yeah. about last night when I was saying the one thing that I really like about him is that Rory knows when to step up and yeah. take charge, but he's content to lay back in the cut and let the doctor do his thing and let Amy do his thing until it comes time for him to step up to the plate and take his swing. Remember how? I think it's in one of the Better in the Dark episodes. I brought forth the theory that the Matt Smith configuration of the TARDIS mm-hmm. right now is a definite echo of the Patrick Troughton era. Right. With Matt Smith being the doctor of only Jamie and Zoe's roles reversed. Right. I think that the roles have reversed again. Well, Matt Smith has Matt, always said that he's basing yeah. performance on, you know, but the, the thing Patrick Troughton. That in many ways, Rory is Patrick Troughton. Yeah. In that he's the guy who trades on his own unassumingness. Right. Even right. to his own wife. And I think there are a number of times in the season where he plays the jealous stupid card mm-hmm. to get a message through to his yeah, wife. Right. To kind of subtly move Amy to realize something. And he's done actions and stepped up and done things that have taken Amy completely yeah. by surprise, which shows that she's underestimated his her yeah. own husband. But that's only because, even more so than Amy, he's grown during yeah. his time being with the doctor because of all the things he's been through. Because let's face it, if they're going to have some shit happen to yeah. somebody, it's not going to happen to Amy because everybody yeah. loves Amy. Right. They do it to Rory. Right. <laughs> somebody said one time that he's like Kenny. <laughs> it sounds like, oh my God, they killed Rory. I'm not going to spoil anything about a good man goes to Rory. <laughs> okay. But it opens with a speech given by Amy. Uh-huh. And I'm going to quote a little bit because it's part of the, the my okay. statements. She's talking to her baby and she's mm-hmm. like, what you're going to be, Melody, is very, very brave. Mm-hmm. But not as brave as they'll have to be because there's someone coming. I don't know where he is or what he's doing, but trust me, he's on his way. Mm-hmm. He's not going to give up until mm-hmm. he sees us again. I, I mean, I, I kind of figure out what was going on, but mm-hmm. I get the impression that Moffat was intending the viewers to think she's talking about the Doctor. Right. And then she says, he's known as the last centurion. I know him as your father. As your father, Roy. Yeah. And I was pumping yeah. the air when mm-hmm. I was like, yes! Mm-hmm. Because everybody talks about how Amy and Rory are Rose and Mickey Light. No. Which is so far from the truth. No. Yeah. I will always contend, you know, fuck you, Shaq, that Amy always had strong feelings for Rory. Right. And she plays the jealous card sometimes, Mm -hmm. maybe to get a little rise out of him. Oh, absolutely. But this is the first married couple we've ever Mm -hmm. seen in the TARDIS. And for me, that's the whole thing with their relationship is that we're seeing how this marriage is growing and evolving and surviving mm-hmm. them having these crazy adventures in this time machine with this mad time lord. It's one of the most unusual things that they've ever done with Doctor Who. And I'm enjoying it. Rory is, me and you can agree. Let's hear it for Rory. Yeah. I mean, I'd be willing to give up Amy as much as I love Karen Gillan. I would just like to see a Rory episode where they don't kill him. <laughs> Yeah. And that, folks, is the digression yes. for this episode. Because we're about to reach a moment in Bruce Campbell's career that's fairly interesting. But that should make Jason Cleveland yeah. very happy that we went off into Doctor Who for a minute. Which is, of course, when Sam Raimi decides to go into the burgeoning world of syndicated television with the action ah. pack. Yeah. And creates... I forget what the original first show was. 
to complement Hercules. Because there were originally another show that only lasted, I think, a season. Oh, it was Hercules, and then it was Xena. Later on, after the second season, it was Hercules and Xena. Right. Oh, Cleopatra 25. 25. No, that came after both Hercules and Xena were gone. I'm pretty sure there was a second show on the action pack. I don't even remember what it was. Young Hercules? No, Young Hercules was the syndicated kids show that was stripped Monday through Friday. Mm-hmm. In fact, that's where we get Angela Dochen, okay. who goes on later to be a very sad, sad, English-accented version of Dixie Cousins in Jack, Jack of All Trades. Trades yeah. Sam Raimi and Robert Tappert get together and create this whole idea where they go to New Zealand where there were a lot of tax breaks. Oh, yeah. And they make these TV series. The idea is it's set in the past, but it's very much a modern series. Oh, yeah. Where yeah. the characters all talk like modern guys, and there's all these references. You know. Matter of fact, okay, let me tell you something about Hercules. Interesting thing about Hercules. Mm-hmm. A lot of people don't remember this. Hercules started out as six two-hour yeah. movies, mm-hmm. where Anthony Quinn... Yeah. Play Hercules' father. They were much more serious in tone. Mm-hmm. They didn't speak with those modern references. Yeah. It was much more a traditional take. Right. Much darker, actually, because there was episode. I think at the last one, Hercules' wife and children got killed. And that's when they started the TV series, yeah. and he went off with the short guy. What was his name? Oh, God. Leotis? Leonidas? I don't yeah. know. But he goes, and then that's when we get the hour long TV series. Right. That becomes much more jokey mm-hmm. with all the modern pop references. Right. But yeah, but a lot of people forget. So the Hercules, they're worth looking up on Netflix, I believe they have them, in that it's different from how the Hercules series eventually ended up being. Sam brought all of his favorite... His repertory company. his repertory company. And they each got their own recurring character. When it came time to give out Bruce Campbell's, he became Autolycus, the Prince of Thieves. Mm-hmm. Very suited to his character. Yes, of course. <laughs> half con man, half acrobat. Mm. Kind of like Gambit in the Greek universe. You know, Very game. good way of putting it, yeah. But the character would become even more prominent. He became practically... Like, and he started a, a, actually as a Xena character, but he started doing double duty on both shows. Yeah, I was about to say that for a while there, he was almost a semi-permanent guest yeah. star on Xena, because he would show up. I remember yeah. watching Xena, and he would be in two or three episodes in, yeah. like back-to-back. He did a lot of work on Xena. But then you had a lot of characters. One of my favorite actresses, Gina Torres. Right. She had a character that went back and forth from Hercules mm-hmm. and Xena. After the Hercules gravy train stopped with, wasn't it Kevin Sorbo decided he wanted to do movies? Yeah. And that lasted for exactly one movie. A lot of people think that Hercules was canceled because of bad ratings. No, it canceled because Kevin Sorbo simply didn't want to do it anymore. Yeah. He just stopped. The ratings for Hercules and Xena were always high right yeah. up to the end of the show. They just simply stopped because the actor's doing it. Say, I'm just tired There's of doing so it. There's only so much a person can do. Of course know. it is. And then he went on and he made Cull, which right. went absolutely nowhere. And then he probably went back to TV. And, and did, was it Andromeda? Yeah, he did that horrible Gene Roddenberry when Andromeda. When Medell Barrett just decided, I'm going to try to get as much of this crap that my husband left me on the air as possible. Well, they had a lot of success with the other show they Earth did. Earth Final Conflict. Earth Final Conflict, yeah. which actually, the first season was very good, mm-hmm. and then the show went downhill, so they had a lot of success with that, so then they decided to do Andromeda. Mm-hmm. And that ran forever, and I have yeah. no idea why. It was a horrible show. But the thing is, after Hercules disappeared, and they knew that Xena was disappearing the following year, I yeah. think, they had to start 
putting something together for the action pack to continue. Mm-hmm. So what they decided to do is they decided to do a season of each of two new shows mm. to see which one was more popular, I guess. Right. Which is why we got Cleopatra 25-25 with Gina Torres and Victoria Pratt mm-hmm. and somebody else who, quite frankly, I don't remember. Yeah, Oddly enough, the title character the title is character the one character, yeah. the least memorable. I love Victoria well, Pratt. Well, that's like, yeah, Victoria oh, I mean, between her and Gina yeah. Torres. That's why I watched Yeah, that. oh yeah. For a half-hour show, and it should be mentioned that these shows actually revived something that we hadn't seen since yeah. the 50s. The 30-minute action-adventure yeah. show, which, for those of you too young to remember, was a staple on mm-hmm. t- Not every action-adventure show had to be yeah. an hour. Now, the Cleopatra 25-25 had a serialized mean. There was a larger arc going throughout the story. Right. The other one, the one we're about to talk about, actually did done-in-one stories in 20 minutes. Yeah. They both were yeah. throwbacks mm-hmm. to an earlier time of TV. They had actual theme songs, yep. which you don't see anymore in TV shows. In 1881, revolution had begun, and Uncle Sam, favorite son, had a job that needed done. With Bridget to a lady, both beautiful and smart, who found his tricks and a scoundrel with a heart! No, no, don't from the shores of Zuma to the shores of Tripoli. Sailing around the bloody world to defend democracy. And when you need a fighting man who's there to watch your back, just ask the bloke right next to you. Damn right, it's Jack. I can't believe I knew that. Yes, my <laughs> lord! <laughs> I haven't seen that show. I but, love, okay, you know what I love about you know that? Something? It just goes to show you the power of a good theme song. And the great thing about that theme song is, if you had never seen an episode, it tells you everything you need. The only thing you don't get in that theme song is the whole Daring Dragoon setup. Yeah. Jack of All Trades, mm-hmm. which ran one season, Bruce plays Jack Styles, mm-hmm. who is sent to Palau Palau because he apparently was doing undercover work with President Jefferson's niece. Mm. Yes, that kind of undercover work, folks. Yes. And he is assigned to keep an eye on Palau Palau because it's a French-owned... The French are the villains in this movie. They even had Napoleon. Played by Vern Troyer. Mini-me from the... Uh, to give him power. Yeah. Tried to make something sinister. Yeah. You got the impression he realized this was his only chance to do something even vaguely serious. Yeah. Vern Troy actually, you get the impression that, okay, this is a lighthearted show, Vern. Yeah. He didn't think so. He thought mm-hmm. this was a straight, serious action adventure he was doing. Yeah. Yeah, and once again, you had the Sam Raimi Tapper repertory companies. You had the what was her name? Renee O'Connor was it? The yeah, played, yeah. Um, Gabriella. Gabrielle. She shows up in a black wig and an outrageous Southern accent as Kentucky Sue, mm-hmm. Jack's old partner. The thing that amazed me about this show, and I watched it a couple of years ago, it is available on Netflix, folks. Is that these are all done in one stories? Mm-hmm. Yep, done in twenty minutes. Yeah, you're in. You watch it. You get out. Yeah. You had yourself a nice. Um, I was you know. not. Not pleased with Angela Dochin, who plays his kind of his Artemis Gordon yeah. character. She's a British spy. She's a British spy. She's not no. a very good actress. She doesn't have a, a lot of chemistry. She doesn't have any chemistry with Bruce Campbell at all, who has more chemistry with himself, yeah. frankly, <laughs> than he does with. But it's a great show. I understand why they decided to go with 2525 as expected out to an hour after the second season. Yeah, but they should have left it a half hour. Yeah. Once it got 
to be expanded to an hour. And I like the show a lot myself. Yeah. But it just got to be bloated and padded. And you can see there was a lot of unnecessary scenes and subplots. Mm-hmm. Me personally, I like seeing the 30-minute action-adventure yeah. format brought back. Not every action-adventure show has to be an hour. And the good thing about Jack of All Trades and Cleopatra 2525 is that they proved that. Because the ratings were good on both of them, from what I understand. Yeah. After this, he directs a movie, the very broad farce, The Man with the Screaming Brain. The Man with the Screaming Brain, yeah. There's this brief period right around this time where he starts appearing in a lot of mainstream fare and then kind of disappears for a while. And he Mm -hmm. goes into semi-retirement, only coming out occasionally to do things such as one of my favorite films that he ever did, which is Bubba Hotel. I don't think he actually retired. It's just that he didn't have to work that hard. Yeah. He was also doing appearances at conventions and, and stuff also, like he that. Also wrote, he started writing books. He wrote books. Yeah. He made yeah. love the Bruce Campbell way. Mm-hmm. Which is actually, honest to God, a novel about Bruce Campbell. Right. He started writing these books. He started doing the convention circuit. And I think the thing is, he went on record as saying, I wanted to let myself go a little yeah, bit. Yeah, he just didn't want to work that he hard. Because yeah. he said it was getting harder and harder for him to maintain that sort of physique that people expect him to mm-hmm. have every time he showed up. And mm-hmm. he just said, I want to eat a donut and not feel guilty about it. And I do remember seeing him show up on some of mm-hmm. horrible sci-fi movies, yeah. Saturday Night movies. He did a couple of those that mm-hmm. were broadly tongue-in-cheek where he played Bruce Campbell. Yeah. He didn't really play a character. He, he's been yeah. on burn notice. Well, that, that's movie. the next big phase okay. of his career. Right after... Bubba Hotel. Bubba Hotel, which is a great film. Which actually got a lot of critical notice mm-hmm. from mainstream press. Not just the horror crowd. The movie, which as I'm sure a lot of you know, is the one where he's in a nursing home. Supposedly right. he's playing a guy that claims to be Elvis Presley. Mm-hmm. And Ozzie, da- was it? Ozzie, Ozzie Davis? Davis is a guy who claims <laughs> to be John, Kennedy. John F. Kennedy. <laughs> and they're up against an Egyptian mummy. Right. Yeah. In Cowboy Boots. Mm-hmm. Great film. Oh. Very bizarre, and it's such a shame. Because they're supposedly still out there. They're planning to do Bubba Nosferatu, but they're planning on casting for each new Bubba blank. Mm-hmm. They're going to have a different actor play Elvis, oh. which I think is a shame. Oh, okay. He started to do a lot of voice work for cartoons. Mm-hmm. He shows up in little things like Sky High has Coach Boone. Oh, yeah, Sky High. What about I love one of our that favorite film. superhero yeah. movies. Yes. Yeah, one of the most underrated superhero movies ever made. He does My Name is Bruce, where he's yeah. making fun of the My Bruce Campbell Bruce. personality. Then along comes Burn Notice in 2007, where he plays the sidekick to the main character. Yeah. Now, does he have like some sort of relationship with, what's his name, his mom? No. For those of you who haven't seen the show... It's about a spy named Michael Weston who gets burned. In the spy terminology, when you burn, that means that all of your assets are cut off. Whatever yeah. government or spy agency you've been working for completely disavows you. And they dump you in a city and they tell you that you can't leave. And that's mm-hmm. what they do to this guy, Michael Weston. They dump him right. in his hometown, Miami Beach, right. Florida. And he can't leave, but with the help of his girlfriend, who's played mm-hmm. by the painfully thin Gabrielle Anwar. But she's painfully thin, but she rocks that look, though. She doesn't look unhealthy like most mm-hmm. girls that thin. With her help and the help of Sam Axe, mm-hmm. played by Bruce Campbell, they become a three-man squad. Kind of like take a freelance spy group. Yeah, right. And they help people in trouble all the while while he's trying to get back into the spy mm-hmm. agency. Now, they recently did a two-hour movie, The Fall mm-hmm. of Sam Axe, which starred Bruce Campbell by himself, where they explained some of the backstory of his character yeah. and how he got to Miami. Yeah. 
but with his mother, played by Sharon Gless, of Cagney and Lacey fame. Right. They don't have a relationship. They're just friends. Because I've only you seen know. a couple of episodes. i got to admit, Jeffrey Donovan just turns me off. Really? And it's funny because he's in a film, and this we're going to pull back the current a little bit, that I'm going to be discussing in the Obscure Horror Movies episode this year. He's one of the main characters in Blair Witch 2. Yeah. yeah I've watched a couple of episodes. Part of it was a, there were episodes from the middle of one of the seasons. Mm-hmm. So I wasn't quite sure what the hell was going on. The other problem is he seems a bit too arch for me. Just a little too smug about himself. That's what I like about him. But then I'm smug too, so maybe yeah. that's it. But no, but you know what really is the intriguing thing that really got me pulled mm-hmm. into Burn Notice is that the character of Michael Weston is the character that 30 years ago yeah, Bruce Campbell exactly. would have been playing. Yeah, I kind of think that that's probably why Bruce Campbell took it because he's mm-hmm. saying this is the type of guy I would have been. Because it's a series that it really doesn't take itself that serious. It's not as violent or as mm-hmm. bloody as it could actually be. It's actually it's a little bit of a team in that yeah. you don't see a whole bunch of dead people and people are getting shot but right. a lot of times Michael and his crew they're not trying to kill anybody they're trying to resolve a situation without actually killing anybody it's not as violent as it could be Bruce Campbell knows how to walk that fine line between being a little bit self-referential and a little bit of parody but at the same time taking his character yeah. and what's going on seriously it's and, something and, I think gives him a living wage because that's one of the things he's written about in his books is that People think he's a super rich movie star, and he's not. Right. I don't get paid a lot for the movies I do, but it's enough to keep me and my wife going. But that's it. I don't live in a mansion. I don't have a gold-plated dog. But see, isn't this what we discussed before when we were talking about John Carpenter? A lot of people think that these guys are fabulously wealthy and they've got gold-plated toilet seats. A lot of these guys don't make as much money as you think they make from these movies. And even when they do... Although it's funny, it kind of ties in with what we were saying about Bruce Campbell always comes off as just a regular guy. Yeah. In that he doesn't want to be really super rich. No. Yeah, I'm sure he could have gone down the Jennifer Garner Road at one point in his life and done a bunch of stupid rom-coms, like mm-hmm. that one that he did serving Sarah, mm-hmm. and he would have been able to make buku money and be living in mansions, but he doesn't want to. He wants to live a nice life, and you know, it means being on USA's Burn Notice, which I think at least he's proud of. That's one of the top-rated shows. Yeah. I think it's coming back this summer for its seventh season. Yeah. And you know what else I like about him? Bruce Campbell is not like some of these actors that doesn't acknowledge that they're getting older. Yeah. He realizes he's getting old, and he's mm-hmm. taking Right. That are appropriate. Which is one of the reasons he told Sam to nix the Freddy versus Jason versus Ash. Yeah. They went to Sam Raimi and Sam went to, it's like, well, you're not doing Ash without doing Bruce Campbell. And Mm -hmm. Bruce said, no, I can't do it anymore. Yeah, I'm too old for it. Yeah, I'm too old for this crap. He still though, does a lot of voice work. Occasionally you'll see him in a commercial, like the commercial that we love for uh, Old Spice. Oh, one of the best, if not the best, TV commercial ever made. Because he's walking and you say to yourself, what the fuck is he yes. talking about? You know, yeah. Wanting it, needing it, having it. You've got to have it it's in order to get it. But if you get it, then you never had it in the first place. And if you sit, you know, it sounds cool, but when you sit down and listen to it, you realize he said absolutely nothing at all. He's walking around in a circular room and comes back to the same chair and just... It just seemed to know. Yeah. Matter of fact, they had a whole making of that commercial thing that was longer than the commercial itself to show you how they got that circular effect of him walking around Mm -hmm. that room. He's walking straight. It's actually a circular room that's rotating as he's going, but it's all in one continuous shot. So you say, wait, because he walks by the same picture that keeps changing every (laughs) 
But if you haven't seen that commercial, go to YouTube and look it up. It's worth seeing. And pay attention See, to what okay. he's saying. Now, granted, we've talked a bit about the DC animated movies. Yes. If they ever got around to doing a JSA movie, mm-hmm. I would love to see Bruce Campbell voice either Jay Garrick or Alan Scott. Oh, absolutely, yeah. I think he would be so good in mm-hmm. that, because you know, he's, he's been doing a lot of cartoon voice work in the mm-hmm. last ten years. Once again, another thing I think is, well, I don't have to like get into conditioning, I don't have to lift weights and get into mm-hmm. shape again, I just have to go to a studio and record my line. And we're not saying this in a negative way, folks. I don't know oh, absolutely not, whatever. absolutely not. But you know who I always said that he would have been perfect for if they ever did a Justice Society of America movie? Who? You know, either animated or live? Wildcat. Mm-hmm. See, for me, I guess it's because the Wildcat in the jail unlimited. Dennis Farina is just so oh, yeah, yeah, amazingly yeah. perfect. Yeah. I can't think of anybody else. Fair enough. Has Wildcat. Even when he was built, he was still a little stringier, which is why mm. my first thought was Jay Garrett. Definitely has like a superhero voice, and it surprises oh, yeah. me yeah. that he's never been in one of these animated movies before. Mm. Yeah. You right. look back at it, I think he's been in ones which are like have original characters, but he's never been in a DC, AU, or a Marvel. Right. It's surprising because he does have a superhero voice. Yeah. He does. Probably the chin. Probably. That's probably what makes it. So, if people want to check out some Bruce Campbell, what would you say they should check out? I would say definitely start with the Evil Dead movies. The yeah. Evil Dead one, I'm not crazy about. I'm going to be very upfront about that. But for the sake of completion, you should start with that. But two and three definitely are the ones. Yeah. Uh, Evil Dead 2 and Evil Dead 3 Army of Darkness. Yeah. Those three is probably essential Bruce Campbell that you should start <laughs> out with. Then go to the Adventures of Briscoe County Jr. Right. Which I would also say is essential Bruce Campbell. Jack of All Trades. And finish up with Burn Notice and Bubba Hotel. And Bubba Hotel. I was yeah. about to say I would throw Bubba Hotel. And Bubba Hotel. Yeah. I would actually suggest people sh- check out the first Maniac Cop as well. Not just because it features Bruce King. It's one of those microcosms of what Grindhouse Cinema was like circa 1990. Oh yeah, Maniac Cop. Yeah. Because you've got. Robert Zadar, you've mm-hmm. got Bruce Campbell, you've got Laureen Landon. It's a script written by Larry Cohen. Cohen, yeah. Who is somewhat on the list of, for the Summer of Great Great Men. Mm-hmm. We have all these people who were pretty prominent mm-hmm. in that world at that time. Yeah, yeah. Uh-huh, yeah, that's a good call. Yeah, yeah, it was directed by William Lustig. Two, not so much. Campbell is only in two long enough to get killed. See, that's why I didn't throw it out there as one that you you absolutely have to see. Because the ones, I think that if you're going to dive into Bruce Campbell, then you want to see the ones that he actually stars in. And then later on, you can go into these other side things yeah. that he did. But what you just said just now is there's a lot of people that are in that movie that were involved in that yeah. 70s grindhouse. Yeah, that's a good call. I think and I will always encourage that. people yeah. to see anything that Larry Cohen has. Oh, absolutely, yeah. yeah. Um, that's what I would add into that list. Okay. So that's it. Although I'm sure he's not listening. The hope is, we're not guaranteeing, but the hope is it will be out on his birthday. Yeah. We do wish... Happy birthday, Bruce. Happy birthday, Bruce. We look forward to more of whatever it is you choose to do. Even if it's just sitting around in a convention eating donuts. We love you, Bruce. Yes, we do. Yes, we do. We're without you. <laughs> We're blue. And you can still see him every once in a while in small roles in, in Coen Brother movies and Sam Raimi movies. Oh, sure. Because I'm pretty sure that anytime Sam Raimi picks up a phone and says, yeah. Bruce, I got something for you to yeah. do, he doesn't say no. I do wish that that rumor had come true, though, that they, he was going to be playing Quentin Beck in one of the films. That he was going to become Mysterio. Oh, 
Oh, yeah. That's another thing we didn't mention is yeah. cameo in the Spider-Man. Yes. Because he's been in every Spider-Man he movie, is. all three of the Spider-Man films. In fact, he jokingly refers to himself as Spider-Man's greatest villain. Yeah. Did you hear that finally, damn play is finally going yes, through? Yes, it opened last night. It opened last night. They said this was the show that had the longest premiere of any show that ran <laughs> on Broadway in like six months. Yeah. Jesus. I guess they figure, well, we spent so much money on the damn thing already. Well, the thing is, I think the estimation is they have to have sold out crowds for the next 10 years to make their money back. Every show. Good luck, guys. Yeah, yeah, good luck with that. Speaking of Spider-Man, are you looking forward at all to this new movie? Um, no. Not really. Yeah, I didn't think so. But I wasn't looking forward to First Class initially until I started seeing the footage. Neither was I. I had no intention of seeing First Class until I saw some of the trailers. And I say, this doesn't look like it's going to be half bad. When they started talking in the publicity about what they were planning on doing, it sounded like the world's biggest joke. Yeah. Like Brian Singer was trying to intentionally scuttle his franchise. Mm -hmm. We should save that because we're going to be recording. And we know something? We did that to you guys on purpose. (laughs) Before we get into the administrative, I want to once again bring up the dollar a fan appeal. Okay. You know what Patricia said? Patricia said that we ought to have a telephone. (laughs) <laughs> that we should do a live episode yeah. and do it a lot better in the dark. And do you know what somebody said to me yesterday? They asked me, it's like, why don't you ever do a video episode? I said, Derek and I have talked about this in the yes, past. Yeah. In fact, we came very close to with your friend. Okay, let me explain what happened. I have a neighbor. He lives next door to me. What happens is that he's a set designer. Right. He's worked on several movies. I've been to his house. I've seen the blueprints that he did, so I know he's not full of shit. He worked right. on a couple of Spike Lee movies. He worked on... What was the Batman movie with Val Kilmer? Batman Forever. Batman Forever. He worked on that. He worked on a couple movies with Wesley Snipes. And he has his own little studio. And him and I were talking one day and he said, well, if you guys want to do a video thing, let's get together and we'll do it. Due to personal things that happened with him that I'm not at liberty to discuss, that fell through. However, that does not mean that Tom and I haven't been exploring and talking about other video opportunities. Yeah, even, even if it comes down to us just buying a video camera yeah. ourselves. Don't they have that thing? It's called Ustream? Ustream, yeah. Yeah. Quinn and Bruce, uh, Joffrey Street, use that when they do their live recordings of the various Cool Shipe episodes. Right. So that's something that we're mm-hmm. looking into. If it jumps off, it'll probably be sometime. And this- we might as well give a little hint. I mean, this is still so prototypical. We've, we've talked about it a couple of times. We've talked about the idea of trying to find a venue that'd be willing to host a better-in-the-dark movie night. Mm-hmm. Someplace here in Clinton Hill in Brooklyn, because there's a lot of little hip bars around here mm-hmm. that might be willing to let us host a night where you guys can come in and see a movie. And what we would do is that we would watch the movie, and then afterwards we'd have a Q&A, and exactly. we'd discuss it, and maybe we'd all go out to dinner, or yeah. you come over to my house and get drunk or whatever. Something like <laughs> you know, that. I don't know. But you guys have to let us know that this is stuff yes. that you want to see and you want to do. I mean, know? obviously the, the secondary thing is something that will only be applicable if you're in the New York tri-state area. Right, well, of course. I'm sure there's a lot of but anyway, we have here. But the dollar of fan appeal, this is not mandatory. We're never going to ask you to pay for this show. However, we're never going to beg. If you do love us, and if you want to continue, there's a number of things that Derek and I would like to upgrade. New software for recording. I am going to need a new computer soon to do the editing. A lot of stuff that we could just do to make the listening experience for you better. Hookers. Crack. (laughs) Uh, Go ahead. See, that's probably what scares them off. 
So what we are asking every fan, if you want us to continue, and just as a show of support, take $1 out of your pocket, a single dollar. That's less than a cup of coffee. Put it in an envelope, send it to Thomas DJ, care of Myrtle Sporting Goods, 5716 Myrtle Avenue, Ridgewood, New York, 11385. And hopefully if we get enough, this is the main thing we want to do, is we want to buy new equipment, just to make the system... Uh, I have a friend who's shown me a couple of packages with preamps and stuff that should make the sound quality a lot better. That's all we're asking. One yeah, all kid, yeah, all kidding aside, there's just stuff that Tom and I would like to do. Yeah, you we're know. not just doing this so we can take off from work. And yeah, let's face it, unless a radio station calls yeah. us up and says, you guys want to come and do this professionally, that's not going to happen. Yeah. So we're just looking for stuff that we can do. If we have a camera... Basically minimize our out-of-pocket expenses. That's all we're asking. That's why we're asking for just a dollar. Yeah. Because we figure our fan base now, if we're to believe the quarterly reports, is 8500 Yeah. So if each one of you send, that's 8500 bucks. Which means that I could actually spring for a real top-of-the-line, custom-made machine geared towards audio production and editing right which would go a long way to making this show sound a lot better there are a number of packages that have preamps that would make this into a mini radio station yeah a lot of stuff that we can do just to make this better for you now that we're done with the pitch and that's it now it's time for the administrative okay okay whether you love us, whether you hate us, whether you want to tell us that Bruce Campbell isn't as great as Roger Zadar is, there's a number of things that you can do to tell us this. You can send us an email to betterinthedark at earth2.net. That's betterinthedark at earth-2.net. You can join. In fact, we'd like you very much to join the message board because a lot of you people have decided you want to sleep there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Something happened about three weeks ago, and everybody just decided, oh, we're just going to take our sleeping bags and just sleep in the mess. No, no. Okay, listen, let's face it. It is the summertime. Yeah. Most people are out doing a lot of things. Matter of fact, folks, last night when Tom and I were talking, we were making our yeah. final preparations for this. I said to Tom, listen, because usually Tom gets here about 11, 11.30, and we go 4 or 5 o'clock in the afternoon. Mm-hmm. I said to Tom, listen, why don't you come over early? And we can get this out the way, get it done, so we don't have to spend all day long sitting in my basement. We can get outside and enjoy the summertime weather. So I understand if the message board is a little bit slow. However, and let me be very clear about this. We've got something like 60 registered members that's on the board. And it's only the same five people that we're always hearing from. Okay? And I appreciate those five people, but come on, folks. Really? You listen to this in and out, in and out, and the numbers aren't lying. Yeah. Unless there's one person just downloading the same episode 8,500 times. Which is a possibility. Yes. It could be my father. (laughs) Just downloading the same episode over and over again. So, the only way that we're going to know what you want to see and what you want from us is if you tell us. Right. That is why the message board is there. Use it. I think a lot of people are now using the Facebook group. Well, that too. Yeah, you know, which and, and trust us, we want you to be on the Facebook group as well, mm-hmm. which you just look up better in the dark and on your Facebook and you can join us. But that message board, it used to be so vital. There used to be people... Oh, yeah, all the time. I used to go there, you know, I would jump off and then I'd come back for a while and there'd be a dozen new messages right, there. Exactly. You know? So we yeah. just want people to come back to the message board and just have fun. 
Yeah. Yeah, so we mentioned the Facebook page, and both Derek and I have Facebook presence. Derek and I maintain several blogs on our own. All right. Tom has got uh, Damn Your Ears, Damn, damn your, your Eyes. Yes. Ten Statements. <laughs> That's mainly what it is. Yeah. It's basically my Ten Statements series. And just let me say that I enjoy reading it because you guys don't know, it takes a lot of talent to be able to distill the essence of a movie in those ten little statements, right. and they're not long paragraphs, there's about three or four lines. Mm-hmm. And you break down the essence right. of what the movie is about. In, in well, it's that, more about you know. this is what I like, this is what I didn't like. Which really is what all people want to know. Although you know? I was telling Michael Bailey, it fascinates me what people come to the... This blogger gives you stats. Yeah. Among them are the search phrases people use to find him. Yeah. <laughs> now, there was a movie I reviewed recently called Personal Velocity. Oh, yeah, Which yeah. started with the statement, fuck this movie. No, really, fuck this movie. Mm-hmm. And... One of the search phrases that led somebody to my blog was the hand job in personal velocity. <laughs> That's not the weirdest one. Who would actually look that up? The weirdest one was somebody <coughs> found my blog because they typed into a search engine any pots nipples. There's a lot of strange yes. people out there, Thomas. Yes, I'm just saying is all. But and as I was telling you last night, because I have a blog as well called the Ferguson Theater, yeah. where I review movies at. And one thing that always is never the movie that you think is going yeah. to get the most hits. Like I have a review there of Tim Burton's Corpse Bride, mm-hmm. and that's got the most hits. And I have absolutely no reason why. But apparently, people it tells you the search engine thing. Yeah. Usually, when people put in Tim Burton, and I guess that mm-hmm. shows up. But you can check us out there. And, of course, yeah, Derek has already mentioned. There are certain the Ferguson Theater. The yeah. Ferguson Theater. I still have my live journal yeah. up, but I'm thinking about that. So well, yeah, that's going to go away soon. Pretty soon, my live journal will be gone because i am still got a couple of 30 song 30 days I haven't migrated over yet. You also have a blog devoted to your character, Dylan. Right. That's up there. Matter of fact, it's chapter 16 mm-hmm. of Dylan, the voice of Odin. I just put that up Monday. Once that's done... There's something else I'm contemplating putting up on there, but I have to, to talk to Russ about possible copyright yeah. okay. infringements. But this is something really special, something people haven't seen for years, mm-hmm. literally, and some people have never seen right. that's Dylan related. I'll tell you after we get okay. off. But yeah, I'm thinking about putting that up there, mm-hmm. but we'll see. And of course, you can always visit us collectively at Pulpworks Press. Just a reminder, by the time you hear this, you have about less than two weeks to pre-order your copy of How the West Was Weird, Volume 2. Did you get your copy? Yes, I did. I got my copy, too. We both have stories in there. Has uh, do a number of our guest hosts. Oh, as a matter, oh, yeah, but it's going to be July by the time. No, this is going to be coming out before July. Okay, then let me tell you guys, I would be very remiss if I didn't tell you. After you finish listening to this, go to the Pulper Press mm-hmm. site. Okay, pulperpress.com. Right now, there is a special deal going on where you can get How the West Was Weird 1. Right. How the West Was Weird 2. And How the West Was Weird Campfire Tales. Right. Which has stories by myself, Josh Reynolds, Russ Anderson, and Tommy Hancock. You get all that for the low, low price of $24.99. Hey, but there's more. Uh, well, a bargain. A bargain for me. No. <laughs> no, but really, you get all of that. And we're talking about just how The West Was Weird 2 alone is over That's a massive book. It's over 300 pages. Yeah. You'll get something like close to 500 pages of story mm-hmm. for only 24 bucks. 
I don't see how you can turn down that deal. But anyway, that's what you do. Go, you know, yeah. check it out. What else? Papa needs have? a new pair. Uh, be sure to visit the Better in the Dark Central site at yeah. bitdsite.com, hosted by our good friend who we praised earlier in this episode, Kelly Loge. Mm-hmm. And of course, it's coming soon, people. If you're interested in superhero fan fiction, you need to go to alteredvisions.org because the infected is beginning. It's going to be starting soon. Yeah, so the, this is a good time for you to catch up. The prelude issues are being slowly put up by Doug. Okay. And we already had first of the two-parter with the cows. Right. Okay. Done. That will lead to the prologue, and then it's time for the big crazy shit. Mm-hmm. So, so, if you enjoy superhero fan fiction at all, by all means, go over to Altered Visions and, and check out not only what Tom and I are doing, yeah. but the other fine work that's being done and by other talented writers. Depending on, because you know, next year is their 10th anniversary. Mm-hmm. He's been looking for ideas. There might be something involving a steampunk version of the West Coast Avengers oh, next year. Cool. Cool. Granted, at least one of my characters just has to change her clothes. But which one? Elsa. Oh yeah. Elsa yeah. just has to change her clothes yeah. and she's in so she's yeah. And she's in steampunk mode. Yeah. Is there anything else we need to talk about? Nah, I think okay. we've covered it all. Time for us to get out of here so we can okay. go take a break. So until then, on this great birthday of this great great man, stick out your chin in honor. <laughs> Shop at your local Kmart. Slap on the healthy dash of old spice. Nice. Man up. And show your boomsticks proudly. <laughs> That's great. Until then, this has been Derek Ferguson. And this has been Thomas DJ. All wishing you good night, baby. Good night. Happy birthday, Bruce. I'm Briscoe County Jr. That name mean anything to you? Listening to Better in the Dark featuring Thomas DJ and Derek Ferguson. Special thanks go out to Adam of Instant Depth, Michael Bailey of Views in the Long Box, Paul and Al of House to Astonish, Eric Froman, of course, all the members of the Better in the Dark message board at betterinthedark.proboards.com. Better in the Dark wants you to give it some sugar, baby, or you'll be talking to our boomstick. Wait, that came out a little creepy, didn't it? Send all comments, praise, hate mail, love letters, and pipe bombs to Better in the Dark at Earth2.net. That's Better in the Dark at Earth-2.net. Please vote for us on Podcast Alley, and why not leave a review of us on iTunes? Hey, maybe you can even visit the Better in the Dark Central site at bitdsite.com. And don't forget to check out all the amazing music available at beehyphen.com. Better in the Dark is a Conspiracy Productions presentation in association with the Earth2.net community of podcasts. All material copyright, Thomas E.J. and Derek Ferguson. Until next time, remember to always shop smart. Shop as smart. Happy birthday, Bruce. Are all men from the future loud mouth braggarts? Nope. Just me, baby. Just me.